guys, welcome back to another episode of the Flipping Websites podcast. This is episode 32 and on today's show I've got another great guest, Mad Singers. Mads is an expert in management consulting and has an outsourcing business called aristosourcing.com and he primarily works with SEO and e-commerce businesses and has run a few e-commerce stores himself and has worked in the past previously with Empire Flippers. Mads mentions that most SEOs are terrible managers and I would personally agree. To counteract this, they support the management of their staff that they place into client businesses so that people like us just need to let the VAs know what individual tasks they need to perform. You'll hear in the discussion why we need to break down every aspect of what we do into the constituent parts, create processes so that we can hire non-expert staff that can literally follow a step-by-step guide. And this keeps the, our cost base down and uh, and also it enables us to remove ourselves from, from that aspect, something that I need to get better at. And as a result from the conversation with Mads, I've actually quite radically changed what services and uh, I, I'm offering, how much I'm personally involved in those services. So there's no more SEO content audits that I do for other people. There's no more SEO consulting. And the activities that I used to do with a content audit and some SEO blueprint activities, I'm actually creating processes of these and going to be releasing these. I don't want to announce too much yet, but I've got something pretty cool in the pipeline. Now, as you'll hear, Mads doesn't hold back in his questioning of uh, why I don't want to be building teams. And I'd be interested in your perspective on that and what you consider entrepreneurship to be. Because one of my favorite thinkers, Naval Ravikant, says that there's three different types of leverage in business. The first is capital, and I've certainly utilized that by working with investors in the past, by buying existing revenue generating sites and building those up to flip. But going forward, my new strategy is building off age domains and low cost starter sites, some with a little bit of uh, traffic, some with maybe a little bit of revenue, but very low cost sites. And by doing this myself, I maintain I retain 100% equity and I don't need to deal with any investor issues. So capital is the first leverage and it's something that I'm personally uh, no longer involved with uh, going forward. The second leverage is people and I'm choosing not to leverage the, the labor of other people in my activities. I do prefer to continue to operate as a solopreneur and I will you know buy other people's services uh, where it makes sense and leverage their teams but I don't feel that I need to to leverage other people myself because I have the third kind of leverage first is capital second is people the third as Naval says it's products with no marginal cost of replication and that's either code software or it's media and I'm choosing the leverage from media and that's literally me talking to you right now through the medium of, of the podcast it's the Facebook group that I'm building uh, into a, a, a that's growing quickly into a, a decent sized community and gets me deal flow that is proprietary that no one else is uh, is able to, to generate and that's enough for me leveraging media is all the leverage that I need and so It's a great conversation with Mads. I disagree with him on his definition of entrepreneurship being the requirement of leveraging uh, leveraging labor. For sure, you you will generate a 
you know, far larger scale, far quicker. But I'm happy with the new path that I'm taking. And I'll talk to you at the end uh, a little bit more about what services I'm offering going forward and a bit of a sneak peek into this new product that I'm creating. Now, not only do I have a new mic, it's exactly the same. It's a Rode Podcaster, but it's a version two. My version one I had for five years, it broke. Uh, Let me know if this sounds any better. But along with the new mic comes a new sponsor. And so Flipping Website listeners, I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, Smash Digital. While most SEO agencies focus on selling services and then just push orders out, these guys live and breathe SEO and also do it for their own seven-figure portfolio of companies. They've been kind enough to offer free video site audits for our listeners. So head over to smash.digital forward slash flipping dash websites and get yours today. So thanks to Smash Digital for sponsoring this episode. And thanks to Travis, the founder, Travis Jameson, who uh, has got a huge uh, resume in uh, in this space, in the SEO space and content site space. And uh, you can find Travis and a lot of the team members in the Facebook group. So without any further ado, here is the conversation with Mads and I'll catch you at the end. Cheers. Hey, how's it going, Mads? Doing really well. How are you? Good. I'm good, thanks. Whereabouts are you calling in from? I'm in the magical UK. Oh, really? Interesting. Scotland, closely defined. I did not know that. Is uh, you just here for fun, <laughs> or uh, is this a, is this a base for yourself? I thought you were uh, mainly in Asia. Yeah, I, I normally am. Uh, this year we have a couple of, of months here in in Scotland because I, I own a bunch of property and I haven't seen it for six seven years. So oh, interesting. So I've um, yeah, I've basically yeah. doing some renovations and some stuff. Now, at the moment, my neighbor is doing some renovations, which I haven't <laughs> planned on, but uh, I've just been doing a couple of podcasts here in a row. And yeah. Yeah. Sounds fine. So where, where are you from originally? Denmark. Okay. So are you buying property? Are you buying up uh, a lot of property in a bunch of different countries or uh, why, why Scotland? So, so the UK, I used to live in the UK for about five or six years, and it's, it's actually a really good place for property investment um, because of the law. Like, I, I buy to rent, right? So, and the laws are really good here in Denmark. It's shit buying a, being a, a house owner. Yeah. Like, there's so many restrictive of how much you can charge, and, you know, depending on the city and the area, like, there's law specific how much you're allowed to charge in rent, and it's very government interfered. Well, but. Uh, Whereabouts in Scotland do you do you own property? Uh, Glasgow area. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you can get incredibly uh, low priced properties there. Yeah. And and uh, what kind of yields are you able to get? I mean, uh, usually I'm looking. So so I, I generally look at property where we get where we make a profit of about a hundred pounds per door, um, which means like if we if we buy a like let's say an apartment right with with one room then it should make at least 100 quid profit after paying off the the mortgage and all payment off and everything off mm-hmm. then the, the rent cost should should pay at least 100 profit a month which would mean that there's enough to basically save up for like any repairs and stuff that needs to happen okay and, uh, yeah so that's usually how i do it very cool. Do you know, because uh, you're in the DC and uh, obviously we're in, we're in similar communities, do you know uh, Mark Webster from Authority Hacker? Uh, I know Mark Webster very well. I visited him, him a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. In Edinburgh? 
Yeah. Nice. I'm planning on, on having a trip up there. I lived in Edinburgh for a few months, uh, mm-hmm. uh, about eight, seven or eight years ago, and uh, I miss the place. Uh, uh, it's uh, I don't miss winter, obviously, but uh, uh, I, I miss. It, it's uh, a lot. It's a lot nicer than the other side in the Glasgow area. It, so, it is. Uh, it's a lot better. But even in winter, it's pretty miserable. I, uh, I wonder how how Mark will feel after his first winter back. But uh, but I, I love Edinburgh and yeah, that's cool. I'm uh, hopefully going to be meeting up with Mark uh, at some point this year when I when I take a trip up a trip back yeah. to Edinburgh. Do you have a, a base? Sort of. I mean, Philippines is often where we spend the most consistent time. Uh, most years, it's sort of between four and six months. We're usually in Philippines, so okay, that's the most sort of consistent. But but Asia is usually where we enjoy the most, right? So Philippines, Thailand, Vietnam. Hong Kong, Singapore, Japan. All right. So you are expert at people management and building teams. And these are things that I am not expert in, which is why I don't do it. <laughs> so it's good to have you uh, on the podcast to to see whether I'm missing out on something, what we should be doing in terms of uh, building content sites and, and the difference between being individual site owners and building out a portfolio. And it'd be great to, to talk about the different types of uh, of job roles and ways of managing it. But before we do that, it'd be great to hear what experience you've got with content sites and SEO. And uh, sure. I believe that you've you've built and bought and sold sites and have managed portfolios. So just, yeah, I'd uh, yeah, love, love to hear what experience you have there. And, and then we can get into your thoughts with, with building teams. Yeah. So, so first and foremost, um, I mean, my, my primary sort of background it comes from corporate. I used to work from Xerox and IBM for many years. Uh, in IBM specifically, I worked with outsourcing management. I managed hundreds of people in multiple physical locations around the globe. And basically, that was when when I did that. I, I eventually started doing this management coaching while I worked with IBM. And I mean, one day I was making more money doing coaching than I was working 80 hours a week with IBM. And I was like, wait a minute. That makes total sense. So I, I left IBM, I moved to Asia, and that have sort of been – I've never wanted to do coaching full-time. I, I've never wanted mm-hmm. to do more than 20% coaching uh, because I like people who actually do what they coach. So I've built a few businesses out there. So one of them, a um, outsourcing business where we have 120-ish people now. Um one of them, we have a SEO, local SEO business as well that's primarily focused on the UK. We have run a few e-commerce stores. We have, we have, yeah. And then um, uh, part of what we've done with the outsourcing business, I've, I've lived literally door-to-door with the Empire Flipper guys, and I've, I've mm-hmm. done a lot of stuff with them. And um, uh, unfortunately, I, I can't talk too much of, of the about the specific portfolio, but I, I did mm-hmm. some work with with them and around the portfolio, and really, um, yeah, brought a whole team in, got them to manage it, and so on. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've, I've built we 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 with the outsourcing business, we work primarily with SEO and e-commerce businesses, right? So we one of the things that we've done a lot to to kind of help train people for the SEO business have really been to um, like actually giving people um, 
how do you say that in a good way? Giving them real life projects to work on, right? So basically they've worked on a lot of different projects where they've basically been testing out things. So we have ended up building a bunch of affiliate sites and uh, not not huge ones generally, but but smaller ones that we've been able to build and either keep or sell or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly mostly sort of through the training process of, of, of our staff, right? So very cool. Yeah. So it's uh it's Aristo sourcing. Aristo sourcing. Uh, Aristo sourcing. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So you got services and one is SEO. So you do you hire out your your team capacity? How how do you do you structure it? Do you um yeah. do you put so a certain number? The, of, yep. The the VA company, the way we do it is we rent out full time people. Mm-hmm. Right. So people come and they say, Okay, I need to get a SEO guy, I need someone who can do some unpage or I need someone who can do outreach or whatever. And then we find a we either have or we find a good candidate for them, we get them hooked up and then that that what I saw a lot in the beginning is most SEO people suck at management. Um based on the personality right um, so so what we're doing is we're, we're supporting with the management of the staff so we help like deal with personal things and you know make sure people show up every day and all that stuff so that the clients basically just have to make sure they they help the VAs understand what they need to do and how um, and yeah so that's basically okay. so how would you price if you wanted the SEO service how yep. would you price that? Do you dedicate someone full time? Is it based on on the percentage of full time per individual you allocate? Yeah. So basically, the, the outsourcing work is is per full time person, right? Mm-hmm. So people basically run one, two, five, ten people, uh, and then they pay per full time person. So, okay. Uh, the cost is usually for for majority of things is around seven hundred bucks a month. Okay. Um. So that's yeah for for most of the sort of general general stuff if it gets into development and things like that it's usually a bit more expensive but but that's sort of i mean the the, the key thing for me for a lot of seo stuff is it's not complex right like learning how to do outreach or learning how to do individual pieces is not really particularly complex no understanding the whole puzzle is a two-year job yeah that's right yeah but when you hire people and when you're i mean i I don't see outsourcing and hiring people being any different, right? But when you when you hire people, basically, like you you don't want to hire someone and teach them to be an SEO expert overnight, right? Like most people that are into SEO forget that it took them three, four, five years to get to where they are. Yeah. And you don't want to spend three, four, five years training someone up before they get to where they need to be. Right? Yeah. You're much much better off splitting down the task, splitting down the responsibility into segments. Because that means if people do leave or stuff stuff does happen, then you don't have to start all over, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you can train someone up in two weeks and get fairly proficient doing outreach, like that's a lot better, right? Um, So so that's that's generally the focus we have, and I, I generally tell people like start start with the people that like start with the processes that that are repeatable. Right. Like if you have very custom processes and stuff is different every time, like that's harder. Right. Um, when, when people join a brand new company, 
everywhere in the world. Like here in the UK, if I hire someone in the UK, right, the biggest benefit for me as a business owner is teaching them stuff that I spend maybe a week or two weeks or a month teaching them, and then they can do it nonstop for, for the rest of their career, right? Uh, so if, if it's customer service, like teaching someone customer service, you spend a, a, a X amount of time doing it, and then they can kind of just run with it, right? Which, which then saves you time every time, all the time. Whereas if you're teaching individual tasks every time, it's very much like you 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 spend one hour saving two hours and you spend two hours saving four hours or whatever, right? Whereas if it's repeatable task, you might invest two hours, but you save four hours or even two hours every single day for the next two years, right? It's very different returns. So that's what I always sort of prefer to, to focus on. Okay, so on your site, you have a number of bullet points uh, for the SEO with SEO audit, writing and content optimization, link building, competitive monitoring, outreach. So if you were to hire have uh, one person yeah. uh, full-time, would they, if it was just one person, would, would they be doing all of these different aspects? And how, and do you break down everything into, into uh, so there's like six different or seven different bullet points here. Do you have different SO, uh, individual SOP for each one? And then how, if, if so, like how many SOPs do you have and and then does one person do everything, or if you were to hire two people, do you split the work 50-50? Right. So the way we do it is again, we don't provide the SOPs, we provide the people. And we do that from tough experience that I don't want to tell people what they should be doing, because in SEO, what you should be doing today might get your site penalized tomorrow. Right. So I don't as a company, we don't want to be providing SOPs. Like one of the things we started out with building a lot of was PBNs. Yeah. And again, I don't want to tell people how to build PBNs because if one day that doesn't work any longer, I'm suddenly the bad guy, mm -hmm. right? So so basically we provide the workforce and, and people teach them how to do their process, right? So generally, like, like let's say you're looking for someone to do outreach, we would find someone with the right level of English, with the right attitude mentality, ideally someone that have done some kind of outreach before, and then you can teach them your process and how you do it, right? It also comes back down to the fact that we don't want to share different clients' processes with other people. So if you have a genius way of doing something, we don't just share that with all our other clients, right? that stays with that one VA. So it's not like it's not being spread, right? So basically we provide the person and the clients tell them what to do and how to do it. And yeah, that's basically how it works. Do you help with if, uh, if a client doesn't already have any SOPs, do you help them to put together their process before you allocate a staff member to them? So what we normally do is we ask them to record videos of what they do, because if they don't have a process, that's often the easiest way to do it, mm -hmm. right? And that's usually like, that's an easy way to do it. We often have VAs that then actually is asked to document those videos. I usually recommend that a person does a process for a period of time before they document it. So they actually fully understand it, right? But yeah, we, we definitely have VAs that who gets bunch of videos from clients they sit and do them for a while and then they actually document those processes right where do you document is it google docs or do you use any software 
again depends on the client, but mm -hmm. uh, we, we've used different tools like suite processes. Google, Google Docs is usually my favorite, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and it's not a cost perspective, it's more simplicity. It's multiple people can pretty easy update and it's it's straightforward and it's simple for people to use. You, you, there's no learning curve and yeah. Have you heard of Flowster? It was on, yeah, a, a, I, yeah I, I heard it on a recent, on the latest Mixergy podcast. Uh, I, yeah, it's uh, it sounded interesting. There, there of... is a bunch of there is a bunch of really good tools out there. That, uh, some of them also can help you like sort of check off and oh I've yeah. done this step, done that step, and and uh, I, all all of them. Uh, <laughs> generally, the key thing for me is it doesn't matter what system you use. You have to pick one, and then you have to use it. So where where most people fail with this stuff is they spend a whole lot of time documenting all the processes. They never get updated, and a year later, none of them are longer up to date or relevant. Therefore, it's total waste. Do you track uh, success metrics for for the clients in terms of um, uh, like building a longer term relationship in terms of success? Do you do you help? Do you kind of monitor in any way that the levels of success the uh, your staff member is a, is achieving? Do you try and make it comparable to across your clients so if if for 700 bucks a month if someone's doing outreach and is only achieving few links a month do you try and address that in any way generally we don't track it i always suggest to clients to track it um but so the, the key thing when it comes to outreach again i have about 25 people right now that do outreach full-time and they probably do it in 25 different ways right so there's so many ways of doing it, so many different tools, there's so many people with no tool, there's so many different ways of doing it, and so many, like, some yeah. people use shotgun approach, some people only want links that are DR70+, plus. you know, like, the the, the parameters and, and what people are looking for, the difference in niches, it, it's so, so different that it's it's really hard to to really pinpoint specifically. Um, I mean, some of the most successful people we have, they do maybe between 40 and 80 links a month. Um, but again, that's often then tied into Pitchbox, for example, which is not a cheap tool. Um, and, and we have people who are doing five links a month, right? But yeah. those five links is often links that really damn counts, right? So it, it's it's so much variation in it that it's, it's really hard to... Um, track i mean the the key thing what, what i work with clients on and what i generally suggest to clients is to whenever you can put metric on it and measure progress over time that's always a benefit right because again everything that gets measured gets improved but again like we, we we've seen clients that have put bonuses against some of these metrics and suddenly the links they get, the quality start dropping because the person knows the more links they get, the you know the bigger the bonus, and and yeah. maybe the maybe the the requirements are only eighty percent met or seventy percent met, and 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 again that's human nature sometimes, right? But I, I definitely always suggest to to track and and see the sort of output you get. Okay, and so. If someone doesn't have a, an SOP created yet, you guys will help with that. What if the process that they've created just isn't particularly good? And no matter how great the person that you match to them, 
they're just not satisfied with with the output. Do you help to to refine the SOP? Do you do you, is there is there like a, a strategy or a general manager layer that would interface between the client and and the worker allocated um, to, to to help in terms of improving process and 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 kind of directing strategy so that people can achieve good outcomes. Yeah, so like at the moment, what the managers does is like, for example, if the client have a process that recorded that the VA wouldn't fully understand or isn't clear, the manager would usually help clarify if they can if they can understand what's being said, right? Um, they don't do process improvement per se. And again, it comes back to this thing that we, we don't really want to take strategies that some people have built and just share them with other clients, right? Like mm. we want we want whatever people do to be private to just them, right? So even though like a lot of time we might, like the manager might know, oh, this client does this thing that works really well. Like we wouldn't just share that with someone else um, in, in general, no. I, I imagine that you could, uh, if, if you were collecting this information and if you were helping improve uh, you know, link outreach, I imagine that you would get to a point where you just you have a small number of, of processes that, that get the best results. Um, if you were to do that, I'm just kind of wondering if it could be flipped in terms of you would have, say, you know, so obviously authority hacker guys that have their skyscraper um course that they've recently released and, and there's templates in there, in there and that's one approach and that's an approach that works really well for them um i'm sure i haven't got access to matt diggity's course but he's got a a course and i'm pretty sure you know there's checklists and templates in there that could be another approach i'm just yeah. wondering whether you could you could get you know three to five different approaches that you know work um and a client could just uh select one uh that, that they that they choose they could purchase the the templates or purchase the course and, and then your staff would already know exactly um or, or would have already run the process or, or already i'm just kind of wondering yep. because for, for me like I, I created a 20 page sop maybe it was even longer based on everything that, I, that i've read uh, for skyscraper and it was, it was as detailed as i could get it and i hired a couple of vas from from serbia off upwork and i just didn't get the results and it just didn't work for me. And that may be the, the stuff that, that I personally hired. And it may be the fact that I didn't manage them well. Or it could be the fact that what the, the kind of SOP that I created um, just wasn't optimal because it was something that I, that I had um, you know, built on top of a lot of other strategies and guides and, uh, and uh, recommendations from other people. So... I'm just thinking like is is there a way to remove variables from people so that they don't have to create the SOP or have that already in their head and and they could just so the great thing about why why I mentioned Flowster on on the Mixergy interview was they they have a marketplace where they sell they sell their own SOPs but also other people can sell their own SOPs and I I like the idea of of buying an existing process that that is proven to work and then plugging people into that that you have confidence they can fulfill it so for me there was just there was way too many variables and i shut it down um i i would much rather buy a, a process that already works 
and then you know hire a staff member through through yourself that that's already vetted and trained um so yeah i just and that that, and that makes that makes total sense however it adds a different layer of training management etc that would uh that would increase the the cost of it right uh and the the one thing we have generally seen is majority of the people we work with have their way of doing things and they're generally fairly set in it right like majority of the people we work with they they either have their own setup with like mailshake or pitchbox or or manual or what whatever their setup is and and uh, i i totally get your point like that there is probably three, four, five setups that are the most common. Um, but but generally, I mean, again, the challenge for me is like, I could get clients penalized. Like if I say, this is the way you should go do outreach, and then that client get a manual penalty for unnatural links. Yeah. Is that my fault? Yeah. I mean, I guess you could get around that by separating out the, the ownership of the SOPs. Um, in terms of like a marketplace, you could say to people, if you don't have this and you're not confident in your own ability to create one, because quite frankly, I'm not. <laughs> and that's why I purchase content from suppliers. I, I use link providers uh, for outreach and, and, and other activities um, because I'm not personally confident to build teams to get the same result. And I'm happy paying potentially a higher cost per link and higher you know, cost per, per word uh, because it's, it's more simple for me. Um, so I'm wondering, so with, um, if, if people already have their own processes, then the benefit of, of, um, your, your outsourcing company, is it, um, what's the the true benefit is, is it based mainly on cost, uh, in terms of, of hourly rate for that, for that full-time worker or or the fact that it's vetted, vetted for them and, yeah, it's a, it's a good mix, right? So first of all, like if you actually have to do proper recruitment, that takes a long time. Yeah. Right? And most SEOs are fairly busy, right? Yeah. So yep. the time aspect in finding great staff. Now, second of all, because we have a whole recruitment team on the ground, like we we do this every single day. We generally find really, really good people, right? Um, again, the first time you speak with five Filipinos, like – it, it, it can be very, very hard for someone to try and figure out who's the right one, you know, what, what am I dealing with here and, and so on. So, so we have the experience in one, getting the right staff, two, we have experience in managing that specific culture. So again, managing a Filipino might not be the same as manage a, a British guy or a British girl. Um, yeah. Because culturally, the, there is a lot of differences, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we generally know and understand all the sort of warning signals and, and things that we have. Uh, and and we, we, we're generally very good at getting that, the right staff members, right? So the actual ease, uh, the ease of scaling up and down. I mean, we sometimes have people come and saying, oh, we need three people next month for, for one month to do this project we're doing, right? Like that's also super, super handy for a lot of our clients. Um, but, but generally the simplicity of it, right? Like we, we, we get them the people we, we present them to them and, and like things are, things are very easy comparable to going to, to do your own recruitment. Right. Yeah. That makes total sense. And so how do people contact the, and do you call them VAs? Is that, is that what your team members are or? 
Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's not a term. I, I, I call them team members normally, but yeah. but BAs is the term most people understand, right? Okay. Uh, but basically, the, the communication can be anything. So we have we have BAs that spend most of the time on Slack, on mm-hmm. Skype, or on uh, WhatsApp, or whatever the clients want. I mean, the, the, the VAs can can use whatever tools. I see. If people are emailing, is it the VA name at Aristo Sourcing? So uh, again, for a lot of VAs, they actually get set up with client emails. So uh, oh, again, okay. yep. it, it depends what's needed and and so on. I see. Okay. Uh, a lot of the time, actually, uh, we we use Gmails because uh, if clients have certain things they want to share to to Google Drive and things like that. So it, it depends. Honestly, it depends a lot on the the requirement from the clients and what's needed. So do you view this as building your own team capacity or do you view this as, yeah. like you've said many times, and it's in the, uh, it's, is it outsourcing? Because it's obviously Aristo sourcing. Do you, do you uh, consider it outsourcing or do you consider it I, building your own team? I, it's building your own team, right? So when I say outsourcing, that's what most people uh, hear when they're talking about hiring people in Asia, for example, right? Uh, or in Serbia, whatever. Right. Um, basically, for me, it's building your own team. Right. One of the key thing with us is we have a very, very low attrition rate. So we very rarely have people leave. And if you ever try to train people, get them to the right stage, then for them to go somewhere else, you know, the pain in that. Right. Mm-hmm. And that that's also one of the big costs a lot of people have. So so one of the core things for us is making sure we have a super, super low attrition rate that basically helps you get the best ROI on your investment, right, from a, from a perspective. Uh, and, and for us, it's building a team. I mean, we have multiple clients that have over 10, 10 staff with us, right, and who are, yeah, keep building their team. Yeah. And some of them, I mean, a couple of them have sold their business with the staff and the staff have been taken over by the new owner and everything. So what about are you incorporated if it's a company? Uh, so, I mean, I, we have we have a few companies, yeah. but but uh, we we are incorporated in the Philippines. Okay. Um, but uh, we I have a yeah a few setups with with different sort of yeah. Because the benefit to me, like I don't want to put anyone on PAYE in in the UK, pay as you earn. Uh, yeah. There's responsibilities with that, and, and I don't want to do that. So benefit is to pay, uh, you know, your company so that I don't have to bear that that responsibility that that's a big benefit do you, do you have to bear that responsibility in, in the way that you operate uh, you uh, so, these people on on payrolls and um generally they are and uh, i mean so so the key thing for us is that um we want it to be as easy for the clients as possible right so basically what that means is like our clients pay one payment every month nothing else right yeah. so they don't need to think about anything else right uh, so so making sure things are simple and and easy for the clients is really really key right so what would you say is the first thing a content site builder or an investor who's purchased the sites and is looking to, to build out a portfolio what is the the first team member that you would recommend uh, considering to uh to set up in this way so generally i would look at what are you doing right now that takes you a lot of time and that you're pretty good at and the reason why i say that is because 
the stuff you're pretty good at, you're probably better at teaching other people. I would agree with that. Um, and then, and then, where to to what to what end? So you would free up your your expertise in the thing that you're best at. What what do you then replace? Uh, what do you do with the time that that you freed up you, yourself personally? Because one from, of yeah, one because, of two things. Mm-hmm, yep. You either start learning some of the things you aren't so great at if you want to go down that route, or two, you have time you can invest into other things. Where I've I've got to, I've had done for you services and productized services over a number of different years, doing a lot of different random stuff. And the place that I've arrived at is as uh, a consultant. It's productized consulting with me as the expert. And I'm setting it up in such a way that I get my own internal uh, hourly rate goal that, that, I'm, I'm, uh, that I use as a filter. And so I'm happy to do the expert work myself because I know that the hourly rate is high enough for me to do that. And I've set things up so that I, the area that I, I'm best at is, um, is to, to do with site structure and content auditing and Google index optimization and uh, dealing with this kind of stuff in a, in a productized way as a consultant. And so I'm happy to, to do that because I set up in a way that I can get paid the hourly rate that, that I, you know, a high hourly rate that I, that I want. And I'm, I'm happy and prepared to do that. What would you recommend if I were to, and the thing is people are, people are are purchasing this because they know that I'm expert in this and I'm, I've, you know, built a name that this is what I can do for people. You know, it's, it's proven. I've chosen to be expert in this one area of SEO and that's what I'm best at. That's where I get the most upside. If I partner with investors, this is the upside, the majority of the upside that I bring. What would you recommend that I do if I were to train other people to do that? People buy the results, right? They, they buy you because they know the result they can get, right? So the question for me would be, is there any part of the process someone else could do where you could get the same output? Right. So like, let me give you some examples. So based on what you've said now, like, let's say you start out by doing a big audit and let's say you have a checklist to do that audit. Mm -hmm. Right. Is to someone else, like, let's say that's really time consuming and you spend five hours. Is there, can other people either do the checklist or a big proportion of that checklist that would save you a bunch of time? potentially could either lower your rates or get your higher profit margin and effectively get you the same output in the end. There is, absolutely there is. However, I would counter to that by saying, if, if we, I recently listened to Joe Rogan podcast with Naval. Mm-hmm. He's saying that he always set an obscenely high hourly rate as a, as a filter as a kid. I think it was like $5,000 an hour. That would enable him to navigate life and to only work on very high earning activities and to say no to everything else. Let's say we're happy to re- to earn like half a million dollars a year and we're able to set ourselves up as a consultant in a productized way where you can actually achieve that by through high value productized consulting where it doesn't take you a long time to do, but it's because you've built up a lot of expertise. If, you, if you're able to achieve that and if you're able to achieve a very good yearly income i would i would question why this is what what the benefit of this would would achieve that's one part i and i can give another example as well 
So I've started doing a little bit of, of startup consulting locally in the UK where I'm based and uh, working with a, with a company, uh, with, a, with a startup. And it's been based off an hourly rate that I've given, which is way below the, the hourly rate that I want. What, and, and the intention of, of why I got involved was to get a piece of equity. I wanted to get advisor equity. And at the time, we're about to, I'm actually going to have that, the conversation with the startup. I've got a phone call tomorrow. But at the time, they weren't able to have that conversation. They were in the middle of a round. And so I was just working on just a, like a generic, you know, SEO, reasonable hourly rate. And, and like to do this properly, it needs to be unreasonable. But, uh, you know, so I got involved on a reasonable hourly rate because the play was to get equity because I thought this startup has, has good upside. It's local. I enjoy working with them. So lost my train of thought oh no here we go so so um what i've realized is so what i've been doing is i've I've been training an internal staff member with how i do seo and i've realized that i'm actually it can be trained and i'm actually pretty good at training and i've realized that if i were to continue training this individual um on on the current basis that that i'm that i'm doing i would i would work myself out of a out of a position there would actually be, I, I could train up this guy, say over, over six months to a year to achieve, you know, 80, you know, 80% of the, of the impact that, that, I, that I could do if I was full time in the company, for example. So like there is this um, ability to actually train yourself out of, 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 of upside, of, of equity upside. So so, so I, I, I totally disagree on a few points, right? <laughs> That's so good. So first and foremost, I would say if you train up someone to do 80% of what you can do, the exciting stuff is usually the last 20, right? So, I mean, you sitting writing titles and writing meta description, I, I don't really care what you're paid per hour for that, but you sitting doing that um, is probably not the most exciting thing in your day no matter what you get paid, right? But the thing where you add the most value, like the top level stuff that mm-hmm. you can add because of experience, I bet is the stuff you find most interesting. Would that yeah. be accurate? That's true, which is why I focused in in the content audit, the site structure, um, the improving the internal linking, the, the, the more technical and content pruning aspect. Um, that's that's where I, that's what I'm best at. And yeah. yeah, I feel like I'm I'm as good as anyone in that niche. That's why I've I've moved myself there. So, now, sec- yeah. second thing, if you could charge three times as much for doing just the twenty percent, would you like to do a lot more of the twenty percent? Yeah. So, with the startup, their understanding of SEO was from from almost zero. So they, they wouldn't understand what that 20% is and what the benefit of that is. They wouldn't want to pay for that on an hourly rate. So the only way that I can get paid, my worth would be to get equity, which is now what I'm having the discussion with. So you were saying like, can, can I train other people to do what I do? Absolutely. But so the point that I was trying to get at was, would I, is that actually in my best interest to train a staff member to free to free myself up or to train other people to to get the upside that I can get so let let's turn this around if that staff member wasn't working for the company but was working for you yep right you trained him to do 80% 
that means you could still charge your same hourly rate. You would just do 20% of the work and your staff member would do 80% of the work. Now, you would still get the same hourly rate and the result would still be the same. Right. That mm -hmm. would mean you could work on five times as many projects, which would mean you would get a ton more experience. You would do a ton more of the stuff you feel is most fun and fundamentally get paid significantly more. Yes, I, I can I can see um, if you're able to, to, to scale, you know, your work with with companies with startups, an example, or, or, or get more clients that that does make sense. Now, it, it, I agree. If you're struggling with clients, like if you don't have enough clients, yeah, then it can be hard to hire someone and train them up, right? Uh, I would I would fundamentally say though, like if you can provide value, one of your focus areas should probably be figuring out how to get more clients. Yeah. And the problem is you don't have time to figure out how to get more clients because you're spending all the time doing the actual work. Yeah, I think I think the startup thing was was probably. Um not the best example but if we go back to the to the to the say say my i'm i'm, I'm like naval and my in, my internal hourly rate is an obscene five thousand dollars an hour and say that i can actually uh achieve that with a productized service offering that is you know ten thousand uh, dollars that i can sell multiple times and it only takes me two hours yep. to, to, to deliver um in that and and i'm achieving my my income goals in in that instance do you still think that there is a benefit um, to me in training up other people to do what I do, which absolutely could happen. Um, but if people are prepared to spend $10,000 on something that takes two hours of my time, is there still a benefit in building a team and scaling and, outs and, and, out and outsourcing and, and, and the, the aspects that we've been talking about, do you think? It depends what you want. Of course, there's a benefit because, again, like if it takes two hours of your time, if you have 20 of those clients, that's 40 hours of your time. Now, if you can train someone to do 50% or 80% or 100% of that work, that means you don't have to. That's true. That's true. Right? Like, it, it, and, and like it depends. If, if you're comfortable, like I know a lot of like like carpenters that are happy spending their hours, happy working their hours, their life, their job. Like they don't have to become an entrepreneur. You don't have to own a business. Like if you prefer to run it as a day job, that's totally okay. And you, I mean, it doesn't even need to be five grand an hour. You could charge a hundred quid an hour and still be happy, right? Mm -hmm. um, but the fundamental is if you want to build a company, if you want to do really big things, generally that's achieved by scaling up your time and by basically hiring people who can help do parts of the work you do. That's true. I, I've got a personal focus on, on flipping websites rather mm -hmm. than holding and building a portfolio. That's yep. what uh, I feel I, I'm, I'm best at and uh, for, for a bunch of reasons. And so for me, I like to, to partner up to get in on a website and to add my upside and to flip as soon as possible. And, uh, so in that instance, yep. I, I'm not really limited by, I guess, I guess, limitations I, I, deals. I, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Even, even in that case, if I were to train up someone to, to fulfill what I, what I do to add the upside that, that, that I bring, um, then I can be involved in more deals, <clears throat> which is actually why I, I've, uh, I created this website operator, 
matchmaking service where investors are, are buying sites and they uh, are in need of someone to operate the site for them and to and to build the site and to get upside. That's where I started. I started partnering with with investors. I I, I ran out of capacity myself, so I started this operator service where I, in a similar way to, to yourself, I, I vet and recruit operators and match them with investors. That was the way to scale. But another way to scale is to do what you're saying and train people in how I achieve the upside that investors are looking for. And rather than matching with external operators, the the alternative way of doing that would be to build my own team to uh, to get the upside on behalf of investors, free, free myself up to... Uh, you know, work on high level stuff or just work on bringing in more deals or speaking with investors and doing none of the delivery that that absolutely I can see that that is a viable option based on, on what you've said. So then it comes down to desire. Well, uh, look, look at it differently. You the thing is, as a flipper, your main thing is deals. What if you had people who could spend their entire day sitting looking for deals now how much money you make as a flipper is depending on how many and how good deals you can find yep right if you had staff and that could again be anyone who were actually very good at finding deals and instead of you when you're looking to buy a new site instead of having 10 potential deals in front of you you could have a hundred potential deals do you think the likelihood that you could get better results would be higher yeah, I mean, I'm already, you know, choosy with with deals. Pick, you know, in terms of of picking the ones that I personally get involved with, but I would have more options. And and so yes, in theory, uh, that's absolutely correct. The the, the quantity of, of deals would enable you know far far higher quality deals to uh, for me to select. Yeah. So that, that, that would be another example of how you could scale, how you could make more money, yeah. right? Because some of, some of the really good guys I know in this business, like they sometimes buy businesses of maybe 5X or 10X, right? Um, because they, if you see enough deals, if you get enough deals in front of yourself uh, and, and enough people, like sometimes people are willing to sell sites for a lot less than they're worth. Yeah. That is, uh, that is true. The, I mean, the... Everything that you said absolutely seems reasonable and correct. It's just that um, the only the only thing that I'm thinking is if I can set things up in a way where I can achieve the annual income that I, that I want, that will enable me to achieve the capital that I need, that will enable me to retire. <laughs> then, and and let's assume that that only takes you know another three years from from where I'm currently at. I'm I'm kind of happy with that. And that's okay. That's okay. No, but but I mean, there's people who who look at day jobs like that. Like there's people who make like I know salespeople that are in their early forties that are a couple of years away from retirement, and that's totally okay if that's what you want to do. Like that that's not a bad thing, and and I I'm very keen on making sure that not everyone thinks they need to be an entrepreneur because they don't, right? Like for for me, entrepreneurship is not about the money. Like honestly, I couldn't give a shit. Like for me, it's about building businesses. Like I like the process. I love hiring people. I love giving 
people the opportunity to grow and like in the Philippines now like I, I love finding these people who uh, supposedly have very little chance at life and you know giving them an opportunity and, and showing them trust and, and letting them do amazing things like I, I love that part about business like I love building the teams I love building the businesses uh, honestly I'm not there for the money and I, I, I could probably make more money doing other things mm. right yeah so that... totally totally up to you what you're in for it right and and if you have a money income goal that you're already hitting like let's say you're already there like totally okay like again if you're if you're hitting your money income goal working 20 hours a week great right I, i'm not saying you should work 40 hours and i'm not saying you should work 10 hours like do things the way you like to do them mm. right and so the, the key thing and what I focus on is really working with the people who want to grow and scale the businesses, right? So in my management consulting, like I, I like I, I build a course very specifically to help people grow and scale, right? Because many are in a similar situation to you where they struggle with they, they really struggle with the people management aspect, right? The the thing is if you can learn SEO, you can learn people. Right. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I, I think I've got limited experience, but I, I've hired VAs over the years and I, I've hired individual contractors and, and, and writers. I, I've done a, a bit of this, but, and I actually think that, you know, low sample size and can't be objective, but I don't feel that I'm, uh, you know, terrible at managing other people. It's more that I just don't want to. <laughs> um <laughs> And that's okay, right? Yeah. That's like some people look at SEO, they spend a couple of months looking at it, and they're like, that's not me, right? And, it, and that's okay. Yeah. It's, it's very, we've got very different perspectives. It's very interesting because, like, for, for me, like, I, I naturally navigated to the term solo, solopreneur. It's where I, I've, I've felt the most comfortable, where I felt the most free. Whenever I've had VAs, the end result is actually creating more work was being done no doubt but it, it created more stress for me mm-hmm. uh, and so do you think it's just some people some personality types uh this approach just w- will not work for them i i've seen every personality type being successful at business but just like other things like if you think you can learn seo in a couple of months you're probably gonna fail mm-hmm. right the same thing with people management. Like, it, if you want to be good at it, it, it takes some time and it takes some investment to learn, mm. and you can become really good. Now, that doesn't mean it's what you'll ever enjoy the most, right? Like, I, I know people who have been in the game for a long time and don't enjoy people, don't enjoy working with people, and and that's why we're very different, right? Yeah. Uh, I know people who are in that situation who the first person they hire is always a CEO, so they build a company, they want to be the Elon Musk type, but they don't like people and they hire a CEO to actually help them run the company so they can basically just push ideas down. Yeah. Right. And again, there's not right or wrong ways to do this stuff. Right? Yeah. But but what I see constantly and particularly when people build teams, I mean, people are happy spending 20 grand buying all sorts of SEO courses, but they never actually invest in the management side of things. And like you generally, you get a significant better return if you learn how to manage people, not just managing people itself, but even managing contractors, managing relationships and so on. You, you can become significantly more effective at, at at a relatively low cost, right? 
That's true. I haven't invested in my management skills. Ironically, I did a management degree at university, but obviously that's a joke. <laughs> um, but no, uh, no comments about university and stuff. Yeah, but. yeah. But no, I, I mean, yeah, I've, I've purchased courses. I've, I've, you know, trained myself in a lot of different areas. But no, management is not something that I've ever actively uh, sought to improve at in terms of, of managing other people. And, and, and see many large companies is the same. I mean, majority of people, when they're promoted from being an individual contributor to a manager, in majority of an organization, you just expect them to know how to manage. Yeah. Right? Like, And, and that's, that's what really freaks me out because, like, I see the ROI. Like, I've worked with some, like, in the SEO world. Like, I, I worked with Matt Diggity and his team. I worked with Kurt. I worked with a ton of big SEOs, right? Yeah. And and the return you see when these guys become better at management, like it's insane. Again, doesn't mean it's what you want to do. And if you don't, that's totally okay. Even though I believe management is amazing, I don't believe that everything should be into everyone should be into it. Just like I don't believe everyone is born to be entrepreneurs. I think I've just got an affiliate mindset. You know, I don't, I don't want complexity. Like I've tried e-commerce, don't want customer support. That's why I moved into affiliate sites. You know, everything is, is automated. I just need to focus on, on, on traffic once everything is set up and it runs as passively in terms of a business model as possible. And then any skills that I need in terms of content or conversion rate or, or links, I can purchase from the people that, that you've mentioned. I, I may be leaving a, a lot of upside on the table, but I think I can actually generate a lot of capital just sure. from just from that as well. What what is like a good reason not to not to do this scaling approach that doesn't appeal to me right now? Right. I mean, risk management. So building building corporation for me and building businesses is risk management. Like if I'm relying hundred percent on myself, like even as a coach. What happens if I, something happens and I become unable to speak or yeah. I lose my legs or I lose my arms or, you know, shit happens. Yeah. Uh, what happens, right? You, you, I mean, you can probably have some good insurances and stuff, but, mm -hmm. you know, that's the, the point is for me, if, if I'm 100% depending on what I do and I don't have any passive assets, then that's also the risk, right? Yeah. Um, whereas for me, building companies means that I can, uh, I make money when I sleep. I make money when I do nothing. Right. Yeah. And and you could say the same for affiliates. However, if you do nothing for five years with an affiliate side, yeah, it, it probably gone. Right. I I agree. It's just that I, I'm the trajectory that I'm on has been built over the last decade um, yeah. of, of just making a lot of errors and, and, and trying a lot of different business models that didn't work, but you know, just it's, it compounds. And like, I've been focusing on SEO since 2012, maybe 13, definitely. And it's, uh, it's, you know, it is an exponential curve in terms of ability and, and earning. And I feel like I'm at the tail end of that now. And I, I feel confident whatever happens, if I have my health, uh, you know, within five years of just continuing and doing what I'm doing, I, I can have an, I can reach my capital goal. Yeah. So, yeah. So for me, that, I mean, that's, what, yeah. What, one other option. I mean, you're saying you're already buying content. What other things did you still do? Could you buy from other people? There's definitely ways that I could train other people to do what I'm doing. That makes sense to me. But in terms of purchasing uh, services from, from other people, I don't, I don't feel like there's anything that, that I need to purchase that doesn't exist. Right. So, so, so the things you actually do yourself right yeah. now, 
Are you saying there's no one else in the world that can do that? There's no, there's no like done for you company, uh, like uh, content elect for content or Convertica for conversion rate, or there, there's no no other service like that that I'm aware of that I need on top of everything that that I'm already paying for. That that can be bought. I can definitely train other people to do the the, the operational work that I do, but I've set it up in a way that the only operational stuff that I do is what I'm best at and. I'm happy to actually do that with, with my time. Uh, I feel like I can generate enough ROI on my time for me to, to do that. Awesome. But, but that is absolutely, it's absolutely capped. There's no doubt about it. But it's capped at a level where I, I think that I can actually achieve what, what, I, what I need to achieve. Um, and I feel happy enough doing it. But... <laughs> but that's me and i, I think yeah. i think that that is not the most common uh view you know viewpoint you know a lot of other people a lot of other operators and and seos and people that, that i connect with they they are, they have their own teams they have their own writers and and link builders and so i think i'm i'm somewhat unusual with with that no i i think you you've managed to do one thing so where, where most seos struggle is they, they don't manage to increase the hourly rate yeah. significantly without hiring the staff, right? Yeah. So that's, the, I mean, and that's a step you've managed to take. Like, I, I would say a lot of SEOs would be pretty happy if they could make 50 grand a month, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they, they would be happy doing the work because reality is most SEOs like doing SEO. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, is, it, yeah, it, it is work, and I'm doing it for the money, but I don't dislike it, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, so I think, I, think that, I mean, you, you've, you've already done, a, a, like, you're already significantly better off of majority of people because you've managed to, I, I, I suspect what, what happens is, for, from your point of view, you've managed to understand the value you add and, and actually charge based on it, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas most SEOs, they're like, oh, yeah, I charge a grand a month or two grand a month. or You, you know, they, 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 don't, they don't cobble together what they provide with yeah. what's the benefit the client get. And that's why they, they end up making the, the amount of money they are. I, I agree. I agree. So what would be what would be an ideal content site builder or investor client for you in terms of of, high, of their first hire because obviously that that you know pretty much all the operate all, all the investors that I deal with they they don't want any hand in operations that's why they want to be matched with an operator they want to be completely passive so again it depends a lot on where you are so again if you don't want any hand in it you need to hire an operator not a team because if you start hiring a team you need to be involved at that's least very at well some put. level yeah, yeah absolutely that that right? distinction makes sense yeah if if you if you are an investor who want to buy assets and for example like you learn how to flip them yeah by providing value then again as i said earlier i would figure out what is it you're really good at right now because that's probably what you would be best at teaching someone else to do Right. Most people that do does the, make sense. Yeah. Most people do the opposite. They they're like, oh, I suck at link building. I'll hire someone to do that. Yeah. But the problem is, if you hire someone to do something you don't really understand, generally speaking, the chances you'll be successful is less. Again, there is different parameters when you hire. So sometimes it makes sense to hire 
at a lower cost and a lower skill level and train people the way you like it. Now, you could also go out and hire an absolute link building expert if you suck at link building and get great results from that. However, the challenge is you would often need to pay significantly more money for it. I see. Right? That, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing, but it means it's a... yeah. Again, that's not a right or wrong way of doing it, but it's about looking at what's the capital you have available, what's the potential upside, what's the potential. Like you need to evaluate all of that and say, what am I going to do? Like in the same way, you could hire an amazing SEO guy or you could hire five individuals at the same price. Yeah. Right? Because an amazing SEO guy that could go out and just do this stuff himself, if you hire him in full time, you'll have to pay him a decent amount of money. Yeah, right? that makes sense. So, so, so there isn't a right or wrong place to start, but generally where I yep. see people being successful is when they start with stuff they know fairly well themselves. That's true. Because when you're, when you're starting out in business, that's a great place to start. So the same, if you're starting out building your own sites, for example, right, that's a great place to start. Yeah, that makes total sense. The, the, the one time where I did try and, and do this properly was with Skyscraper SEO and creating a very detailed procedure with videos and, and then hiring staff. But I can see the mistake was that I was not expert at that. I knew that I needed to, to have it running as, as an engine, but I was not good at that at the time. I wanted the results. And so, uh, yeah, it's pretty clear to me why it didn't work. <laughs> Whereas if so, I would have chosen something that I was expert at, I think that, like you're saying, that... that would have a much higher uh, chance of, of, of succeeding. Like my, my favorite nowadays, like when you're more experienced and when you have a team, like it's a lot easier for me now to give people challenges that we haven't done before, right? One, because I have a large team, I can afford mistakes. Um, sometimes, I mean, people sometimes hire staff and they need the ROI straight away, right? But if I hire, like for example, I'm, I'm launching a podcast myself. And I hired a girl to to figure out how to do it, right? Because I don't want to. <laughs> um, but a, again, I like even if she screws stuff up and we end up launching a week later, like, and not the end of the world for me. But I'd much rather hire someone to do it and figure it out than having to do it all myself, right? So again, it also depends where you are. It depends. Again, it depends on so many variables. But, yeah. but generally, from from a delegation standpoint the best place is, is really taking what you're best at because that's where you can start off people and you know what to expect. So if you take link building as an example, if I'm really good at doing link building and I know, okay, if I work full time on this process, I can generate X amount of links. This is how I do it. This is the process. I know exactly how it works. Now, if I teach someone else how to do it and let's say I get 40 links a month and they get 20 links the first month, I'm like, okay, they're doing decently, they can probably improve, but even at half my performance, it's still more than worth it because I'm worth five grand an hour and they're paid 10 bucks an hour, right? Yeah, that makes per perfect sense. I will definitely think very hard about this and um, uh, and can consider, uh, you know, doing, doing what you're saying. Why I... Um started off on on this this approach and i'm i'm pretty happy with it but one of the factors was a guy called christoph who is a, a man who is a google penalty um removal guy 
or he or link toxicity audit guy. Anyway, if you have a manual penalty, you send him your site. He's on Upwork. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's on Upwork. He charges maybe three hundred bucks or maybe five hundred bucks. Um, I'm trying to find his profile, but I can't right now. Uh, anyway, he's on hundreds of these, and I I, I think I worked out uh, based on like run rate. You know, he's bringing in several hundred thousand dollars a year from being the expert, but there's no reason why and maybe he even is outsourcing to other people the actual delivery of that now the whole point is again if he had problem finding enough customers yeah he could do it himself but let's say he have four times as many customers as he can actually handle is he better off one saying no to them but well, that, that's a few approaches one he could increase the prices because that would yep. generally lower demand mm-hmm. two he could actually hire people who could help him do it so that he didn't have to. And effectively, like if he could do that with like, let's say he could outsource. So he did 20% of the work and others did 80% of the work. He could potentially at some point outsource a hundred percent of the work. Yeah. But I think that the majority of people are purchasing his productized service because of him. No, so they're, they're buying the result. They're buying the result because it's it's his analysis at least that that's what i i i would i would assume that most people that are purchasing are doing it because he's done this thousands of times and his judgment is better than anyone's on the planet likewise the way that i'm setting myself up i feel that that i'm my i can anyone can do a content audit but it's like the recommendations that i pull from that and the and and the changes to the site that I see uh, available in terms of upside, those kind of aspects are much harder to spot unless you've done this a lot. And so for me, I feel that that's why people pay me to do that, and that's why people would choose him. And if they knew that he was outsourcing it, it wouldn't be as the de- de- the demand would would not be there. As high. I think you're very wrong. If I'm paying someone because I got a penalty and paying that person or that company get, gets me out of that penalty, do I really care? The majority of those DFY services, um, like at some point, they are not done by the person. No. Right? I would assume like the highest level fee-earning activity is is judgment um, from from the highest level experience. Uh, and anyone can do that in in any area if you go narrow and deep enough. So that would be the part that is the most valuable thing that I would assume that people are paying someone like Christoph and paying me um, a fee for, for, for my judgment. And that's where you can separate out and distinguish yourself from other people in terms of an hourly rate. That's how you can you can increase your hourly rate by being the best judge in terms of what you you would recommend that they do that would have the highest impact or do you disagree i don't know uh, i i still see it the same way like the thing is if i pay you for a content audit and i get the result that i expect or that i want i don't really care if you did it or not the, the one thing i do know is if you do everything yourself you can only ever do so much yeah uh, kurt phillips with convertica for example I know he's fucking amazing at what he does because they run through hundreds and hundreds of sites, hundreds and hundreds of niches, and they know it all. Now, if Kurt had been doing all that himself, he would never have had that experience. 
he would never have had that data to show what's actually the best thing to do. And, you, and again, like yeah. the, the thing is, in the beginning and, and to even towards the end of this process, like you can still have a final eye. You can still have a look and see, does this make sense? Yeah. But I, I'll bet you there's pieces of your process where you add very little value. Over someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see value in someone being a consultant or do you think that's a lost opportunity if they have the ability to to build teams and to build businesses? No, I I think that depends on what you want to do. Like I, I love being a coach, like because I, I I work with a ton of teams, many businesses, many different levels and uh, like I love seeing the inside of many businesses. I, I love helping people, right? And I like I like that to a large degree, and that's why I love doing my coaching. Um, if if like, it's purely if could... yeah, if it's purely financial, if you're trying to make the most money, do you think that being a consultant, no matter how you structure it, is is you know, has a lower expected value than um, you know building your own team capacity uh, in the way that we've been talking? General. But yes, I mean the, the whole point is if you can start a company, you you could start a consultancy company and hire other consultants and do more of it, right? Yeah. Uh, but 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 in the end of the day, if you're a one man band and you want to be a one man band, like you naturally have a, a limit, right? Which is time, which is you, which is um, yeah. And and the thing is, if you're a one-man band, again, you have to do sales, you have to do marketing, you have to do the work, you have to do everything. From your perspective, uh, you know, the solopreneur term, you probably wouldn't resonate with any, with anything less, yeah? <laughs> Ma majority of the solopreneurs I work with are not solopreneurs. Like majority of people, uh, even though they say they're solopreneurs, actually have people doing stuff. Like I would argue, even when you pay for services and stuff, like when you're working with freelancers and things like that yeah. like I, I would argue to some extent like you're at least building an extension of your company yeah. that helps you deliver the service you're delivering yeah right like if you if you like with, with me with my coaching business yeah it's just me talking to people uh, helping them grow and scale their business right so I don't have other deliveries that I pay other people to do however I still have a team because we still need to do marketing. We still do sales. I still need to do all all that different stuff, right? Like I, I, I wouldn't want to do all that myself. For the coaching business? Yeah, for the coaching business. Yeah, yeah. okay. I understand. So are you happy to, to limit your hourly rate as a coach based on the fact that it's something that you enjoy equally as, as much as, as the financial aspect? Is that is that the reason? Because there, there, there would need to be you know, you, there would need to be some kind of love for it. Otherwise, yep. based on what you said, it wouldn't make any sense for you to do, yeah? 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I, I, again, a couple of aspects. So, one of them is, again, because I now have a ton of experience and I've worked with hundreds of businesses, I've, I've been now been able to start releasing info products, so courses, right? So, the management course that we, that I released, uh, not very expensive, it's a thousand bucks, and it's again this is the sort of 80 20 of management for me right uh, now this is all the knowledge i've had and all, all the stuff i've learned i've packed into this course right which means people can gain a ton of this knowledge 
uh, and get a, a huge boost in their start of basically becoming a, a better manager and, and learning how to manage, right? Um, and, and again, that, that piece is more scalable. Now, it's not coaching, but it's things that I've been able to do because of the coaching. Yep, that makes sense. But, but if you're looking at coaching directly, I mean, look at the best coaches in the world. Like, if you look at people like Tony Robbins, right? Like, if he only did one-to-one coaching and nothing else, he would make significantly less money than he does today. Yep. And That's... I bet you he would probably also have less fun. If I go back to an, to an hourly rate, even if you uh, say say you're um... – the, the, the minimum hourly rate that you set for yourself is $1,000 an hour. And say there's 2,000 2, hours in a year, work hours, you can do a lot more, but let's, let's say that that's you know, 40 hours a week uh, on average. Um, and if you work a quarter of, those, of, the, of that time, 10 hours a week, at, at $1,000 an hour, yep. that's half a million income a year. Yep. And so I kind of keep going back to that. If you, that's actually achievable. <laughs> Um, yeah. and for me, that's, that's more than enough. <laughs> um, so th- yeah, that's, and, and, that's and where that's I get okay. stuck. <laughs> that, that's okay. Yeah. As long as one, you like doing what you do and you're comfortable with that. Totally. Okay. Don't yeah. feel ashamed of that. Yeah. Like, I, again, not everyone needs to build a business. Not everyone needs to, uh, I mean, the, the chance most people have is more, one more. And every time you make more money, most people just spend more money. Right. Yeah. If you're better at, at managing that than most people and, and you can actually build up to your retirement, like go ahead. Like yeah. that, it's not a bad thing. No, yeah. it's interesting. I mean, and, and in doing that, you don't even need to build any equity in anything. You don't need to get startup equity in the, in the companies that you're helping or even any equity or any resale value in your own business. It can, if you can jack up your hourly rates enough, you can, you can achieve very large you know a very large capital amount that will make you have a, a you know a comfortable retirement um if yeah. you and you and if you can do that and if you can do that doing work that you don't dislike and you don't have and if you find managing other other people stressful i just i kind of feel that this is appealing however there's absolutely aspects in what i do that can be uh outsourced Right. I mean, let, let me ask you the other way around, right? And and in this type of business you are in, like you can probably afford to hire better people, right? I mean, maybe the ideal hire for you is not a seven hundred bucks Filipino. Maybe the ideal hire for you is a five grand or a ten grand, fairly decent SEO guy, right? That that's very possible because if you're charging five grand an hour, like that might be a much better use of your time because you'd probably need to do less training. And if your hours are worth five grand an hour, then a couple hours less training would be worth it, right? Mm. So, so again, like it's it's about looking at the situation and so on, seeing what what makes the most sense for you, right? Yeah, very interesting. You give me a lot to think about. Uh, I was hoping it was going to be a, a, a fun, challenging call. Uh, it's been great. <laughs> Awesome. Is there anything else you wanted to cover that we didn't cover in terms of uh, your uh, your business and, and your coaching or, or any other thoughts or recommendations to, to content site builders? Um, 
No, I, I definitely. I mean, the one thing I would really encourage people to do is, particularly if you have bigger teams and are starting to have managers within your team, like invest in it, right? Like don't just buy them SEO courses, like invest in the actual management side of things because you will see so big returns from my experience, right? And And even showing people, hey, now you've been promoted into a manager for my SEO team or for my outreach team, uh, you know, showing people that, you know, I want to invest in you. I don't just give you this title and expect you to suddenly know the world of management next morning, mm. right? Like, for me, that's really where majority of companies are missing a big trick. I agree. You've given me a lot to think about. <laughs> I Excellent. think there's been some limiting beliefs and, and mental blockages. And uh, I definitely need to work through that and, and see where I end up. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm, I, I hope it has been super useful, Richard. It's been uh, great talking to you for sure. It, it definitely has been very useful to me. I, I think this will be a good conversation. I think uh, listeners will, will enjoy this one. And hopefully it's useful to them and, and maybe they can start thinking about scaling more if they haven't uh, hired their first team member. Where's the best place for people to reach out to you? Um, I mean, my, my website, masssingers.com, mm-hmm. um, basically that have all my contacts, right? But I'm on all the social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, and all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, Mass, Matt Singers, a very unique name. And, uh, it is. You won't find anyone else with that name. And yes, it is my name. Okay, I'm going to have to check. I've done this on a previous podcast episode before. It's um, I'm just going to LinkedIn and just uh, fact-checking that. Yep, you're welcome. So... <laughs> I think we are about 20 to 30 people in the world with the name Singers. You are correct. You are the only one. Yep. <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty rare. That's good. Well, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Richard. Hey, guys. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mads. And uh, love to hear your, your feedback, uh, whether you are fully on board with the necessity to, to build a team or whether you would share my perspective of removing yourself as much as possible, but then focusing on high fee earning activities uh, and uh, leveraging other aspects. So for for me, that's this podcast, it's the Facebook group, and it's the unique deal flow that I'm able to generate from investors and from people selling their sites from that. Now, I mentioned in the intro what uh, that I've, I've changed what I'm offering. So there's no longer a website acquisition service. I was offering a end-to-end service where an investor would specify what type of site they wanted to buy. I would search for that site. I would do due diligence. I would help them to negotiate with the seller, whether that's with a brokerage or otherwise, and then help with the migration, help with the inspection, and uh, match them with an operator that's ready to start when uh, the transfer is complete. And so now going forward, I'm only offering the acquire service, so flippingwebsites.co slash acquire. It's a finder's fee, and if you're looking to uh, purchase content sites and you need some assistance, then it's a very simple setup. It's 1% finder's fee for on-market brokerage listings that I identify and send through my evaluation of that in terms of due diligence, or simply 5% for off-market deals that I'm able to to generate. And again, you'll get my thoughts on due diligence. And then if you need operators to run that site, 
That page is still at flippingwebsites.co slash operators. And I've got a new pricing model now, a new fee model. And I've given a lot of thought to this. And there's a discussion in the Facebook group. If you're not already a member, uh, search for Flipping Websites on Facebook. And my model is basically an amalgamation of, of what I've been doing previously with a fixed monthly fee, whether that's $500 or $1,500 a month or thereabouts, plus 50% of the cash flow upside. I've done this enough now and I've put in into a deal, a, a recent deal a couple of months ago, the uh, my top operator who's called Ron, who's in the Facebook group as well. And we both, I mean, I kind of realized this a while ago that it's, it's not really worth my time going into these deals I don't have enough bandwidth there's not really enough upside and I prefer to have 100% equity ownership and his deal is going well but he also realizes that you need more than upside cash flow and you can say a number of things about the income store model but their their revenue model their uh, their fee model is based off revenue and so they they actually get 50% of revenue off the top and run the site from that and i think splitting revenue makes a lot more sense with content sites in terms of operations so the new model that i've come up with and if there's a big enough deal i'll personally consider it but um in terms of myself and ron this is our model going forward and if we are able to generate enough uh sites uh on the on the supply side then we'll get involved other operators that have reached out to to work with investors and so the model going forward is is one third, one third, one third. And so the investor gets 33% of the revenue. We get the same 33% of the revenue. And then one third is reinvested back into the site every month. And from within that third remaining, that pays for the hosting for all expenditure. And then it's investment into content and links. So the, the operator is getting a third of cash flow that pays for their time and expertise and also the time and expertise of their team. And it's very transparent and we're able to track exactly what is spent, whether that's uh, cost price, if, if the operator, operator is able to uh, write that content through their team or generate links through their process or whether it's paying for other people's services uh, such as content elect and uh, everything is transparent in a, in a spreadsheet one third of revenue is reinvested and then there's no discussion of how much the there's no kind of difficult discussions with the investor on how much to reinvest and it's uh, a lot more simple model and i th i think for me that's the best model that i that i've seen that i've come up with and i think that's what we're going to be sticking to now so that is the um they are the only services that i'm offering if people want advice or consulting I'm, i'll happily do clarity calls and I am at clarity.fm slash Richard Patey. And that's, uh, that's the way that people can, can still get my advice. But the finder's fee model and the operations model based on a, on a split of revenue, that's what I'm doing. And before signing off, I'd like to thank again the new sponsor Smash Digital for sponsoring this episode. Just go to smash.digital forward slash flipping dash websites where they're offering a free video SEO audit for listeners of this episode. And these are mini audits done by their management team personalized just for you. No automated software, no plugging your site into a free piece of software and then sending you a PDF. Uh, get actionable, real advice from top SEO professionals, including a mini link profile review that will benefit your site. Okay, URL for this episode is at flippingwebsites.co slash mads-singers. And I'll catch you guys soon. Cheers. Cheers.